This episode of the podcast is with youth SNC coach Erica Suter. Erica speaks to us about how SNC works in the private sector in the US, as well as how her practice was influenced by her recent trip to Brazil. Erica also gives some valuable information on how to handle the pushy parent. Please subscribe and share the show and head over to iTunes to leave a review. Here's the episode with Erica. Welcome to episode six of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. Today we're joined by our first guest who is over the pond. So everyone else that we spoke to so far is in the UK. Um, Our guest today joins us from uh, the US. I'm sure you'll hear all about what she's up to and uh, the people that she's working with at the moment. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Erica Suter. Welcome, Erica. Hi, Ben. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. How's things with you? You okay? Yep. So what is it you do at the moment, Erica? Because I'm sure some of our followers have um, seen some of the work you put out and you've done um, an article recently for us, so the guys might have seen that. But just fill us in on your background and who you're currently working with. Sure. So I've been involved in the game for, man, over 20 years now. I started playing when I was about five years years old and um, played through high school, college, post-college, and now I'm coaching full-time, and I mainly work as a performance coach in Baltimore, Maryland, and my niche is working with kids anywhere from ages 8 to 25, so I basically see the start of their development until they get to an elite level. Um, so that's that's my main group I'm with. I'm in the private sector, so I, I contract out of a performance facility in Baltimore, and I work with various um, players and clubs across the state of Maryland. So I'm definitely keeping myself busy over here. <laughs> yeah, definitely sounds it. So how many players are with? Uh, how many players approximately are you working with at the moment? Oh man. I, honestly, I don't even know. Like <laughs> between all the like the different clubs and teams, and then like the individuals I'm working with, it, gosh, it could be maybe like a couple hundred. <laughs> okay, cool. Obviously, so, how does yeah. that work then? Do they do they come and see you in a group, or is it on an individual basis, or do you go out to them? How's it work? Right. So. It's mainly group training or team training. So I'll have as many as like 15 to 20 athletes at a time. Um, Obviously, if they're a little bit younger, it it might be a little bit less, especially if they're new to strength training and being in that gym setting. But I found that the group training, especially um, from a performance standpoint, is, is really good for athletes because it's just a high energy atmosphere. It, it gets competitive and it kind of fosters teamwork um, and kind of builds um, like the team chemistry. So the group training is definitely more of what I'm moving towards. Um, the only time I'll do private sessions is if I'm doing like field work. So I also do te- some technical training as well. Um, so we could be working on like first touch shooting technique, one V one moves. And I usually do those as one-on-one or smaller group sessions on the pitch. 
That's a, that's an interesting thing to bring up because in previous podcasts we've spoke recently about. Um, I'm not sure how it is in the US, but over in the UK previously it's been uh, there've been very different roles. So we've had like strength conditioning coaches working separately to technical coaches. Mm-hmm. But the way it seems to be trans, um, way, the way it seems to be changing recently is that more technical coaches are learning more about strength conditioning and vice versa. So you're saying that you've got you've done a little bit of both, haven't you? You've done some technical work, but also um, some S and C and some physical work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you make a good point. Um, it's good that technical coaches and strength and conditioning coaches are are learning about uh, one another's expertises because technical and physical work is very connected. Um, So if a kid wants to improve their shooting, for example, um, they have to do their gym work with the S&C coach and get their legs strong and be able to keep their balance. But then they have to have the the technical side and and work more on like, okay, how are you um, locking your ankle? How are you connecting with the ball? So like more of the skill work, but they're definitely like the technical and physical are absolutely connected. So I think it's, it's cool that these coaches collaborate to get players better. And how does it work with you, like building relationships with the technical coaches? Because with the amount of players that you work with, do you have much a relationship with like the head coach, for example, in the certain teams? Or, or is that something that um, doesn't happen so much with you working with so many athletes? Yeah, so our, my facility is kind of, it's kind of an ideal setting for uh, youth soccer players here because we have a full uh, turf field where uh, the team coach can come in and run a practice or a technical session. And then after that, he just sends them to me and they do their strength training and their performance work with me. So it's been, I've been moving into more of like a collaborative role with these coaches and just letting them know, Hey, like you do your thing and then I'll do my thing. Um, So it's, yeah, again, it's been like a really ideal setting for everyone. And what do you, what are the biggest sort of daily struggles that you come across? Like what are the, what are the biggest challenges that you face? Yeah, I think, um, I think the soccer community here is, uh, at least the youth soccer community, they're still learning about SNC and why it's important for kids. When should kids start strength training? What exercises are going to help them? How do we prevent injury? And I think, um, you know, you still have some soccer coaches who think they can execute strength and conditioning programs by themselves. But um, I found that I have to really educate them on why they need to come into the gym and load and and progress. And why is that going to make them resilient to withstand the game and to get faster and to get more explosive? So it's still... it's coming along it's gotten better um but you know there's still a challenge and there's still some buy-in that you have to create with coaches here especially youth coaches how do you see the the sport because obviously in in the states is a lot of massive sports over there isn't there and i don't suppose football or soccer is is up there with one of the top ones as of yet but how do you see it progressing how how do you see the next few years going with um with football I think it's growing. Um, man, th- this could be like the scope of like another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. I think 
I think it's progressing. I think like a lot of people like who are like outside of our country think that we just focus on like the fitness side of the game and like the strength and conditioning side. But I don't think we should like put the blame on everyone. I think we just have to figure out a way to connect all the components. So technical, tactical and physical um, and just like make every player like well-rounded all of those because that's that's really what soccer is it's it's all those things so I think it, it's coming along um, but yeah there we, we still have a long way to go out here <laughs> yeah yeah no it's cool so I think I'm right in saying your surname is um is Dutch is that right it is Yes. <laughs> so have you took any sort of influence from, from the Dutch or any, any coaches in Europe? Yeah, um, I've, well, as a, a technical coach, I've always loved the, the Dutch style. I've always loved the creativity. I'm, I'm a number 11. I'm left footed. So I'm a big uh, 1v1 and, and skills person. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of take that from the, from the Dutch. Um, I, I don't do as much tactical coaching, but I love total soccer. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love that uh, school of thought. So, yeah, I mean, uh, my half of my family lives in the Netherlands, so I'm I'm always following uh, the Dutch teams and the Dutch players. And to take it back into, because I know some of your big interests and something you've done for us recently is is um, some strength articles and especially core training and um, uh, you did a great core training article for us um, what are your views on on core training how do you see that um, or how should tr- coaches change what they're doing so you spoke about um, the sit-up or the crunch movement and trying to avoid that with players and you gave loads of great variations of players to do um, mm-hmm. but what are your views on that yeah, so I think when it when it comes to core training, coaches and, and strength coaches who work with soccer players have to just ask themselves, all right, well, why am I programming this exercise and how is it going to, one, improve my athlete's performance and two, how is it going to keep them healthy? Um, I, I'm not someone who puts crunches in um, their programs. I wouldn't say I'm totally against them, but they're not a movement that I would prioritize. So I'm prioritizing more of the the anti-rotation movements, the anti-flexion movements, um, what movements allow players to control their bodies um, and be more resilient to force in the game. So I'm I'm doing a lot of like pal off press variation, hollow holds, um, proper bear crawling. <laughs> Uh, chops, any anything that is allowing players to just build a strong base because that's that's really what your core is. It's connecting the abdominals, the low back, the hips. That's basically the base of your body. That's how you keep your balance. That's how you keep your posture. So, um, yeah. Again, I think coaches need to ask like, why am I why am I doing this type of core exercise and what is it doing for my players? Yeah, and if anyone hasn't seen that, that article that you did for us, and I know you put loads of information out on your social media as well, we'll add all the links to that article, but also to all your um, social media in the, in the show notes so that guys can go and have a look at some of the stuff you put out recently. Because I know you've been playing around with a few core variations, haven't you, recently on your social media? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been told they're they're pretty crazy. They're pretty challenging. Um, so yeah, that's another thing. I mean, sit-ups, um, they I don't I personally don't think they're challenging. Um, my youth athletes don't think they're challenging. Um, so when we're doing the like correct planks or anti-rotation, anti-flexion exercises, they players actually feel like they're working something. Um, and I think that also goes a long way. If your players feel like they're doing something, they feel good, they feel strong. Um, there's like that mental component as well. And what's your approach to, because you, I know you said you work with a lot of youth players. So what's your approach with um, youth athletes? How would you differ to like um, either professionals or adult players? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at, at my facility, um, the, the youngest that has come in is, I'd say, 11 to 12. Um, so kids just starting in middle school. But they're more in our, um, our youth middle school program where we focus on balance, coordination, movement patterns, um, running mechanics. So it's a, it's a very beginner level and like once they can prove to us they can they can move properly they could p- perform certain body weight movements then then they progress into more of a loaded program whether that's with resistance bands um, dumbbells um, or even like sleds trx prowlers but as far as youth i'd say kids can start lifting as young as 11 or 12 um, but it again it depends on their maturity level and also their willingness to come into that gym setting. Like, do they even want to be there? Because if not, then it's okay for them to wait till they're like 14 or 15 when they're ready. It's not like they're going to fall behind or hinder their chances of going pro if they wait a couple years. Yeah. And how, how is it um, with parents over there? Because that's one of the challenges that we face over here is that parents mm-hmm. look at their son or daughter at a very young age as, as being this this athlete and that they need to improve all these physical markers at such a young age but how does it how is it over there is it similar or are they slightly different yeah I I mean Ben yeah I've talked to a, a couple of coaches out your way and the, yeah they said parents are a little bit hard <laughs> to deal yeah. with and it, yeah it's the same out here I mean I, I I'm not a parent uh yet So maybe I don't understand. Um, But I think what it is, is parents here are just, they're just not informed. Like they don't know how to approach this training process. So I think like when it comes to people like us, we just have to inform them like, hey, like this is like when your kid should start training. This is what we're going to do. This is what's going to help them. And I think parents just need to be educated more. Um, But again, you're going to have your parents who are going to be like, oh, can you like get my my 10-year-old faster overnight? And it's like, no, <laughs> they're 10. They, <laughs> they have so many years to, to mature and develop. And sometimes the slowest person at age 10 is the fastest person at age 16. So it's like, you know, you just got to inform them and tell them like their kid will develop like there's time we we all just have to be patient and um I'm a straight shooter with parents I will always be honest with them (laughs) um so yeah I mean it's just yeah it's about being honest and and communicating so what what approach would you take with in that situation would you is it a case of sitting them down and saying like it's about the 
the long term, not the short term, or would you do it within a group as well? Because I know you train a lot of your athletes in the group. Would you do? Would you treat parents the same? Would you get them in the group and speak to them as a group? Yeah, yeah. I've had to um, like we'll we'll have like te- like team parents meetings, or um, usually parents will call me if they want to train and like bring their kid into the facility. So I just I just kind of listen to their questions and concerns, and then just let them know my philosophy and how my program works and why like what the reasoning behind it is and I think when you approach it from a standpoint of hey like I'm here to help your kid get better but this is like this is a process we're in for the long haul this is not like a a train for a month thing and then like peace out like if you're if you're coming into our program like we're in it for the long haul it's it's like soccer skill development like you're in it for the long haul like you have to learn how to pass how to shoot like physical performance is the same thing. It takes time. And I just try to connect the dots with that. And then they understand me a little bit more. So I know you just spoke a little bit about philosophy before. And I know what you've mentioned when you're training youth players, one of your philosophies is keeping training fun. Yeah. What, how would you go about that? Yeah. Um, I think uh, for when when we have like 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds coming in, there has to be some fun um, just because they're so young and you want to keep them engaged in the learning process. But there also has to be a balance of teaching and, and some structure. Otherwise, they're not really going to be learning. So as far as like the strength movements, that those are the movements that I keep a little bit more structured. So um, your squats, pull-ups, push-ups, like that stuff I can't really make fun because there's a set way of doing it and making sure everyone's safe. But as far as like agility drills, um, conditioning, I like to make those fun and not get too technical at that age. Um, so like agility, we might be playing like a very like small-sided game of tag um, or like conditioning, we might be doing like an obstacle course and running through it for time. And even like just doing something like that, like really gets a kid's heart rate up. Um, so I don't really believe in always like formal conditioning and agility that young. I don't think it's totally necessary, but the strength stuff, absolutely. And have you ever had any sort of hit back from coaches on that? Do they ever want you to just do to run players and to go <laughs> and like through some conditioning drills out on the pitch where players are just running or, or especially youth players are just running. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's always the good old uh, jog laps around the field. Uh, <laughs> yeah. school of thought out here. Um, so yeah, I, I, I try to tell coaches what I just told you, like this, this fun conditioning drill, this fun agility drill is going to elicit the same physiological effect that you want. Um, if you're just running your players, making them run laps or suicides, it's the same effect. Uh, you just got to like tweak like the, the work time and, and the rest time and we'll be good. And, and I think they understand it. Um, coaches have been pretty cool about it, but I think it's more the parents, like the parents are like, make sure you like make our kids work hard. And they're like 11, you know, <laughs> like we're, it's not like we're just goofing off in here. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the, the parents are always a struggle, but 
it's just really like my other piece of my philosophy is just preaching the process like that like high performance athletic development it's all a process even for like the elite level players the older players how long would you have a player for then so what's the average day to stay with you I know obviously it depends on whether they stay within the area I'm guessing as well but have mm-hmm. you had players that have gone through like to professional level or how long have you what's the, like the average time you spend with the players right um so I've been coaching for almost or I've been training for almost seven years so I've gotten to the point where I'm now seeing a lot of my athletes go off to college yeah so I'm not that old yet (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah it's it's crazy because I I look back and I, I always joke with my college girls I'm like wow I knew you when you were like 10 and like didn't like really talk to me like and now you're like all grown up so it's kind of cool like to have like to see like everyone go through that process like five six years like it's it's amazing um and usually like on like the micro level players will train anywhere from like two to four days a week with me depending on like if they're in season or off season yeah great good stuff so one thing I wanted to speak to you about, which um, it definitely caught my eye on social media and it, it really piqued my interest, was how you utilize, you do some barefoot um, conditioning or barefoot games um, with players. So what are your thoughts behind that and how do you go about implementing that? Yep. So bare, barefoot soccer kind of... I. I after I graduated college, I uh, went down to Brazil for a year to be a volunteer coach in the favelas. So I saw a lot of barefoot soccer there. Um, And I I don't know, I just kind of fell in love with it after that experience. And then I brought it back to the States and started using it with my youth players. And it just started out as this like fun drill that we just would do. Like, for some reason, barefoot soccer just makes kids pass quicker and makes them move the ball quicker because when you like collide with someone or step on their feet, it like freaking hurts. <laughs> so it kind of like sped up their game and their technique. Um, and also the kids have a lot of fun with it. Like every time I say, hey, everyone, like take off your shoes, everyone gets super excited. So um, so the fun components there and then just physiologically just strengthening the foot I mean the foot is the base of our bodies and it needs to be strong um there's so many bones and ligaments and muscles in the foot and barefoot soccer allows for kids to truly like make sure all those are being activated um but I still have yet to research more of the physiology behind it but right now it's just using it as a a fun drill do you see anyone else that uses it? No, no. Um, I've so we we have our youth athletes strength training barefoot as well. Um, and I, gosh, I first got that from the original strength guys. Um, they said that they always strength train barefoot, so I started to add that into my workouts. But I had never seen barefoot soccer until I went down to Brazil. I thought it was incredible. I was like, why didn't I think of this before? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely um, an area that interests me massively. How how do you go about 
um, like periodizing periodizing it with players because I know like from just personal experience that not being used to being barefoot a lot of the time it can be it can cause quite a lot of soreness initially. Yeah. Um, I know even from players that have maybe not been used to even training barefoot they might have to gradually build it up. Did you find that? players get sore from it or if you had to periodize it and gradually build up the load of it no um we're so we're in the off season we're only playing barefoot soccer probably once a week um just like at the end of the workout um but i found that when they're doing barefoot training while lifting then they they get more used to it um but i haven't heard of any of my athletes um feeling weird like from adjusting to it or, or getting sore um but if that if that were to come up then I'd have to kind of tweak things a little bit but right now I think the frequency is at a a, a good level and would it be something that you potentially um if you were seeing some good results from that would you, would you try and get that in more frequently or do you think that the exposure of of once a week with some barefoot work in the gym is enough yeah, yeah, I think the, the once a week playing and then um, for the gym work, sometimes they're coming in two to four days a week. So I think for now that that's good and that's a good amount. Yeah, cool. And what's your, so just going back into like gym work and strength work, what, what's your general philosophies with that? Like where do you see that players um, need the most work? Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, at minimum, I want youth athletes to be with me twice a week. So the frequency is super important. Um, you can have the perfect program, but if a kid's only coming in once, then I can't really help them that much. So I'd say two times a week at minimum. And if I'm getting them just those two days, um, each day will be a total, total body day. So a hybrid program. There will be a main upper lift, a main lower lift. Um, so lower lifts that I'm a big fan of, uh, deadlifts or single leg RDLs, um, split squats, Bulgarian split squats. And then usually at the end of the workout, we're doing either like core or hip activation. If they're coming in just twice a week, we might combine the two and do both core and hip at the end. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I just want to make sure I'm attacking their bot. This sounds weird, but like attacking their bodies uh, from all angles. So upper, lower, anterior, posterior, posterior, especially since soccer is super, uh, quad dominant and push heavy. Um, and that's where all the power comes from is the posterior chain. So yeah, th those are kind of, uh, my main focuses, um, or the main things I focus on, um, just because I I'd still say twice a week isn't too much so I want to make sure I'm I'm getting as much in as I can and usually our lifts are like nine, 90 minutes long and with that as well is there anything you're looking any like standards you're looking to achieve with players so are you trying to it might be like at different ages or are you trying to get players to any any specific standard in in the gym um, well, we do do testing. Um, we do 10 yard, 20 yard sprint, uh, vertical jump, um, deadlift testing, um, and then just overall looking at the way they move. So just kind of like a modified version of the FMS. 
And how how do they get that presented to them? Do they get the uh, the score from the FMS and then they get fed back on like a, an analysis to the player, or how do you feed that back and monitor it? Right. So I'm not big into scores on the FMS. I'm just kind of taking notes on how they move. So are they maybe like when they're squatting, are they shifting to their right and like loading their right side more? Like, do we need to focus more on this and their hip circuit? So just kind of taking notes on the individual athlete and maybe telling them, Hey, like do this extra work at home, or I'm going to add this to the end of your workout or beginning of your workout. So we can work on this. Um, I think like sometimes when kids get like scores, they're like, shit, like what's wrong with me? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I honestly, I try to keep things simple. Like I'm not, I'm not too into like the data and the science. Um, I'm just big on really connecting with the athlete and just keeping communication open. Um, yeah, I just, I really try to keep it simple. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I think it's the best way sometimes. Yes. (laughs) Where do you do most of your learning, Erica? Is it online or um, what would you do for like CBD? Uh, you mean for like continuing education? Yeah, so where, yeah. where do you do like your, your continuing studies at the moment? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I did, um, I did my master's degree. I got that three years ago um, in exercise science. Um, so when I finished that, I kind of took like some time off from like the books and just started like diving into like more coaching. Um, but, um, I've been to a few sports science conferences. So I went to the Seattle Sounders one a couple years ago, just because I wanted to learn more about load monitoring it because I absolutely think it is important, um, especially from an injury prevention standpoint. So that was a good one to go to. I've been to a lot of soccer conferences in the States, so learning more about the, the tactical game and tactical periodization. Um, there were um, some physical um, presenters as well, like Tony Strudwick. That was a, a great one on um, high-intensity, small-sided games and, and heart rate monitoring. Um, I do a lot of um, like smaller workshops on like how to coach movements better, um, so like how to like coach a youth athlete the deadlift um just like different different external cues and and more like practical stuff is that Um, you running those workshops what is that you running those workshops or is that one that you go to no those are those are ones i go to um so yeah i went last year but um i again i'm like going through this phase like this year where i'm kind of taking off from the workshops and like spending more time in my work than at it yeah. Um, but I think like next year I'll pick it back up and and find some conferences <laughs> if you have any suggestions. Yeah, well, I mean there's plenty about there, isn't there? And there's more and more um, all the time. I'm not too. I know the Seattle one looks amazing. We've we've looked oh, at awesome. going to that a few times. Um, okay. But yeah, we've we've got plenty over here that that are going on, which is um, it's great to see. So, yeah, I, I heard there's one in. Um, I think it's in England, like next month. It's like a big soccer conference, like early December. Uh, who's that run by? Do you know? I forget. I think it might be more of a tactical conference, not strength okay. and conditioning. But um, I definitely want to get to one where you guys live. Just yeah. Because I've never been to a conference abroad, and I feel I could learn a lot more. 
Yeah, well, one of the um, there was one we went to this year called uh, Soccer Science, which is run by Reese Carr at Bristol. I wanted to go to that one. Oh yeah, my gosh, really that looks awesome. <laughs> I think in the next few years that's going to develop as well, so it looks really good. Yeah, uh, that looks great. I'd recommend. Awesome. So, where can the guys get in touch with you? Because if if they've got any questions on anything, is there anywhere that they can get in touch with you? Yeah, so my my website is just uh, www.ericasuter.com. Um, you can find that on my uh, Twitter and Instagram profile as well. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram are just uh, Fit Soccer Queen. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. <laughs> and I know you've got loads of articles as well over on your your website too, haven't you? So the guys can go and have a read of that. And like I said, on your social media as well, you're constantly putting out content videos um some of the work you're doing with the players so they need to go and check that out too yeah yeah absolutely and yeah i'm always i always love uh connecting with people and, and hearing what other people do and their philosophies so yeah uh happy to connect awesome well i really appreciate you coming on erica and i know um the guys will take plenty from what you've been through and the way you approach your work so i, I hope that um some of them will get in touch with you and we can uh, maybe pick up another conversation at some point as well. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Ben. This, this was good. No problem. We'll speak to you soon. Sounds good. I want to say a big thank you to Erica for coming on the show. I uh, really enjoyed speaking to her about how her business is set up and the people that she's working with. You can go and follow Erica on Twitter. She's Fit Soccer Queen on Twitter and also Fit Soccer Queen on Instagram. And her website is ericasuter.com. And she's also got a resource coming out um, very soon. Probably by the time you listen to this podcast, it is probably already out. So go and have a look on our social media for that. Um, the big takeaways from the episode for me were how she goes about dealing with parents. I think it sounds very similar to how parents are in the US to how, how they are in the UK and the way she sort of goes about it in terms of educating the parents, not just getting wound up and, and dismissing any sort of ideas and opinions that the parents have. She goes about educating them, which is a great way of dealing with them. Um, and then also how she was influ- influenced by a trip to Brazil. I saw some of the work that she'd been doing in terms of the barefoot work of her players, but I didn't realise where it actually come from. It's really interesting to hear that it was influenced by a trip over to Brazil and, and how the players were just naturally playing over there barefoot and how she's starting to integrate it into her programme. I think it'll be great to see where that goes. Obviously, there's been a lot of things covered in terms of barefoot training in the gym, but I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a coach using it in terms of actually playing um small-sided games or actually implement it into a game scenario. So it'd be really interesting to see where she goes and takes that. I also want to say a massive thank you to all the guys that attended our network meeting at the weekend. So this episode is going out on the 28th of November. Um, Last Friday, we were down in Brighton at the network meeting. We had 25 coaches down there and we had presentations from Will Abbott and Josh Hook, both of Brighton. Really, really great, informative um, presentations. They, they worked really well together. Will presented a lot of work that he's done on his research, which is like absolutely world-class. Um, amazing to see and amazing to hear him speak. And then Josh gave a, such a, um, a quality presentation on real-life S&C. 
I think people spend far too much time sometimes in textbooks and, and designing what they think is the perfect program. But the way Josh spoke and the way he um, manipulates his training and he's flexible with his training, I, I think it was absolutely invaluable for coaches to hear. And I took absolutely loads, loads of notes from it. And I'm hoping to get both of those guys onto the podcast as well to have a, another chat about the work they're doing down there because it's a top-class setup. The facility is amazing as well. If anyone has a chance to to see it down there, it's absolutely top-class. Um, and I wish those boys as well with Tom Barden who, who um, basically organised the, the meeting for us. I wish those boys the best for the rest of the season. Um, we've also now confirmed... Our next network meeting is going to be on Friday, February the 22nd, and it's going to be at Notts County. So the link for um, tickets is going to go up very soon, so just keep an eye out for that. We will be running it at the normal time of 6 till 9 p.m. And if you're unsure about how what the meetings are about, they're essentially for you to come meet other coaches, build your network and we are going to have at least one presentation from a coach as well so you can get some take some information away from a presentation as well but the idea is you can come you can meet other people you never know what that's going to lead to in the future um, so we've had some really good relationships built through the meetings and that's what we're hoping to continue and if anyone does or is interested in hosting a meeting we're looking at confirming the next few meetings for 2019. So please get in touch if your club is interested in hosting the meeting. We've also um, got some new information over on our Football Fitness Federation community. The presentations from our Brighton meeting are going to go on there. So Will and Josh's presentation are going to be on there. Um, we've also got some great information on there from uh, the guest from episode four of the podcast, Paul Colbeck. He's started a thread on there about contextual speed. So we've got a good discussion going on at the moment in terms of how we manipulate training um, for speed work in football. So go and check that out. That's available on footballfitfed.com. And then if you click the community tab at the top, you'll be able to get through uh, the link to go and, to go and see that. Um, the community is essentially an extension of what we've developed with the network meetings. You can come on, you can discuss challenges, um, that you face within your role and meet plenty of other coaches and you get loads of information like the contextual speed stuff. We've got information on nutrition, on strength work and loads more presentations, webinars and um, podcasts to come that are going to go on to the community. So go and check that out. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't done already and also share it. So I want to try and build the numbers of this now so we can keep these, keep these quality guests coming. Um, so please share with other coaches, colleagues, friends, family, anyone who you may think will benefit from hearing the information we put out. I've got some really exciting guests lined up, so I'm looking forward to bringing those to you. But please share it because I do want to grow the numbers that, that are listening to the show and the, and the reach that we're hitting. And also head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Um, the reviews are invaluable on, on iTunes to get us up the charts and to make the podcast more popular. So if you could do me a massive favor, head over there, leave us a review, and that will help to, to boost the show. But I really appreciate all the support. I've had some good feedback from people already. But if anyone else does have any feedback on the show and, and maybe guests that you want to see or any changes you want to see made to the podcast, please let us know. Um, I'm always up for discussing ways to improve it and getting information out there to, to you guys. So I really appreciate the, the, you guys listening already and um, just trying to grow the numbers that we can hit with uh, the podcast. So 
There will be another podcast coming next week, so keep an eye out for that, and um, we will speak to you then.